You know, one of the most fascinating parts of Jesus's ministry to me is the radically different ways in which people respond to Jesus. And sometimes like those radically different responses come from the same group of people. Have you ever noticed this? Like one moment he will be with a crowd and they are fawning all over him. They are scrambling to be as close to Jesus as they can, to watch what he does, to hear what he has to say. They're complimenting him. You know, what is this grace that is falling from his lips? And then something happens. And that same crowd goes from loving him to hating him, from fawning all over him in one moment to filled with rage and wanting to kill him the next moment. That's fascinating, isn't it? Like he had this way of splitting a crowd or turning a crowd. Like things he did, things he said, things he claimed that seemed to force people in one of two ways. One of the most poignant moments in the life of Jesus where we both see this kind of response from a group of people and the reason for it is found in John chapter 8. Now, Jesus is in the temple and he is sparring back and forth with some people who don't like some of the things that he's saying. And then he's going to make a shift from trying to address their concerns and go back and forth to beginning to, to address who he is, right? The identity of Jesus. And he makes this claim. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Now, these good Jewish folks are really angry, right? Because to them, Jesus is, you know, mostly just a man. Maybe he's a prophetic type. Maybe he's a great teacher, leader, innovator, entrepreneur, something, but not more than that, right? And so they, they basically say, who do you think you are? Like, never see death. What about Abraham, right? Our spiritual forefather, our patriarch, the father of many nations. He is a great man and so much more, and he died. And all of our prophets that came after him, they also died. So do you think you're greater than Abraham? And the prophets, like, who do you think you are? And then Jesus goes on, you know, talking about how, you know, I don't have to glorify my, glorify myself. The father is the one who brings me glory. Yeah, the father you think you know, but the father that I know. And Abraham, let's talk about Abraham. He said, your father, Abraham, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And you know what? He saw it and he rejoiced. Right now they're really mad because Abraham has been gone for a very long time. They're saying, look, you're not even 50 years old and you're going to tell us that you've seen Abraham? Come on. And then Jesus says this, and this is where he dials it up to a level they cannot handle. He says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now to understand the gravity of this moment, you got to know that every good Jewish man, woman, and child in that room knew exactly what Jesus was saying in this moment. They'd known it since they were children because they grew up on these stories. And he's referencing a very famous and pivotal moment in the history of their people that goes all the way back to Exodus 3. And in Exodus 3, God calls Moses to step up and to be 
his mouthpiece before Pharaoh and to deliver his people who are in exile, who are in slavery, to deliver them out of slavery and out of oppression. Now, uh, Moses is human and he does the same thing I think any of us would do. He says, look, who am I? <laughs> who am I? I'm going to go square off with Egypt, the, the biggest empire in the world, square off with Pharaoh, the leader of the biggest empire in the world. And God says, look, this isn't about you. I will be with you. And if you want a sign, just wait until all these people are free and they worship me on this mountain over here. That'll be your sign. And then he asks this. He says, well, what about when I go to the Israelites and I tell them that the God of your forefathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell him? And get this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then he goes on, right? And who am I? The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That's who I am is. So when Jesus, coming back to Jesus, who's in the temple, arguing with a bunch of Jewish people, who know the scriptures and who know this story says, I am. They knew exactly what he was saying in that moment. Jesus was saying, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who I am. Now in this moment, they're really, to this kind of a claim, there's only two possible responses, right? Only two. And that is to reject him or to worship him. Either he is God and is worthy to be worshipped, or he's a crazy lunatic or a liar. So you can only reject him or worship him. And what do they do in this moment? We are told that they picked up stones, that they moved to kill him, and that Jesus hid himself, and slid out of the temple. Now, I want you to think about the gravity of this moment and what is happening in it. Jesus, the great I am, the Lord God in the flesh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has come into the world that we are celebrating this Advent season, is in front of them. And he says, I am he. Finally, you can see my face, hear my voice, touch me with your own hands. You have called upon me and called out to me. I have heard you. I am here. And in that moment, God's people, not only do they not worship him, they move to kill him. These people who claim to be the people of God gathered to worship God, standing in the house of God, reject God in their midst. Jesus has to flee the temple that bears his father's name because there's no place for him there. You know, I often wonder if Jesus were here now in the flesh with us, and he walked into some of our churches 
I, I wonder at times how many of those churches he'd actually be welcome in. You ever wonder that? Like, I, I wonder if we'd really like what he'd have to say. Like, I, I wonder at times if we'd really listen. I wonder if we'd even tolerate him. Or if ultimately we just run him out, just like those in the temple did. You know, and I, I think there's something here for us. Yeah, I think this should serve as a sober reminder to us that close-fisted religion is not only empty, but it actually has the capacity to blind us to the very work and presence of God in our midst. You know, in acknowledging Jesus as the great I am, we have to come to terms with the fact that Jesus is not an idea to be pondered, or a knickknack to be admired on our shelf of religious relics and responsibilities, he is the very face of God. That's what this means, the great I am. He will not be pandered to, he cannot be tamed, and he certainly won't play second fiddle to any religion, even if it bears his name. And our response to this great claim, uh, to Jesus the great I am, just for those, just as those who, who were there in the temple that day, our response is, has to be just one of two options. Will we worship him or reject him? Will we worship him when he doesn't look the way we thought he should look? When he doesn't act the way we thought he'd act? Will we worship him when he doesn't play by our rules? Will we worship him when he offends our religious sensibilities? Will we worship him when he doesn't align with our political party? Will we worship him when he asks us to sacrificially love the people we've been told to hate? Will we worship him when his grace seems to go too far? Will we worship him no matter what he asks us to give up, rethink, unlearn, surrender, or lay down? You know, Jesus may have left the temple that day, but one of the incredible truths of the incarnation is that God cannot and will not be contained by places of worship made by human hands. His presence is not confined to temples or churches. For now, God is in the streets. God is present around our dinner tables and on our back porches. He is present wherever two or more of his people gather together in his name. You know, there will always be those who choose to reject him. And we love them, we pray for them, we serve them, we bless them. But for those who know Jesus to be the great I am, well, we can't help but worship him. Grace and peace, friends.